0: Father, pray that as we look at this passage, your word together, your spirit would speak into our hearts and lives. We'd hear truth from your spirit and we'd be able to live that truth in the way we are as your people in this world. And the people said, (sighs) so I'll read it first. One John, um, one of the joys of touchscreens is you can do this and make it bigger. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him, and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love of God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates his brother, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Amen. I actually have notes this morning. I might try and get back to them so I don't go too far off beam here in what I want to say. It's a really fantastic passage. Uh, In some ways, the whole of this letter, 1 John, is very much about love and about how we know we are Christians and we know we're saved. John, I think, is writing for lots of reasons, but one of the core things there is to encourage these Christians to know that they are Jesus' people, that they are saved, that they are forgiven but by the way they live. And then encourage them to live outright. This, this passage starts, I think, almost, you know, the first bit gets it. Dear friends, you might say, dear brothers and sisters, he's writing to Christians. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And I said at 8 o'clock this morning, and it struck me when I was preparing this, it's almost not an order. He's almost not saying, love one another. Because I tell you to, because Jesus, well, Jesus did tell us to. It is a command. Jesus said, didn't he? Actually, quite. Sometimes this really makes me like. Uh, Jesus said, "This is how people will know you're my disciples." Remember, John thirteen. He said, looking around at someone. How? How? What's the sign that people, the world will know we're Jesus' disciples? That we meet in church that we wear fish on our lapel, what did he say? That you love one another. That's the sign to the world. Uh, I, there's, um, I, actually, I, this is someone I've... Um, the, back, thank you, Laura, for the thing about St. Valentine. I think, actually, St. Valentine, I think the reason why he had to do secret marriages is because the emperor, Claudius, at the time, desperate to get people in the army, had basically banned marriage in Rome and said it was illegal to get married because he was worried that blokes might enjoy married life more than marching up and down with, with swords and things. So um, the historical thing, back 200 AD or so, this is someone writing in 100 AD, uh, a Greek, sorry, 120, uh, who said of the early church, the non-Christian, excellent person, uh, Lucian writes, "'It is incredible to see the fervor "'with which the people of that religion "'help each other in their wants. "'They spare nothing. "'Their first legislator,' he means Jesus, has put it into their heads that they are all brethren. All brothers, exclamation mark. That's the mark of what it is to be Jesus' follower. And, in, and I think John here is saying, it's almost not command, it's an encouragement. It's like, come on guys, be who you are. Come on, let's love each other, he says. Because, well, there's three, I think there's three reasons. It's a classic sermon thing, I know, but I think there are three reasons in these five verses which he gives us, but why it is what we have to do to love each other. I want to say also at the outset that over the last year it's been a tough time, hasn't it, in lots of ways. I'm actually going to say a bit more at Encounter tonight about that. So if you get a chance, do join us online for for Encounter tonight. Um, But it has been a tough time. And and we've had to do new things and, and we're missing stuff. And someone was saying this morning that, you know, missing things to look forward to or just to get out and do stuff. I spend a lot of time walking around by myself at the moment um, just to get out of the house. I quite like my own company, but it'd be nice sometimes just to meet someone and sit in a coffee shop or whatever, wouldn't it? (coughs) Tough time. But I know people are a lot worse. Some people are incredibly busy, and some people have got lots of issues in terms of their employment and stuff as well. It's been a tough time in many ways for lots of us. But one of the great things about church has been the way you guys have shown love and care for each other and it doesn't make the headlines the little acts of kindness and care that people through house groups or home groups or whatever have shown for each other things fantastic like I say I, I just you know privileged place where I am where I hear this stuff and, and talk to a lot of people I'm just aware that the methods, you're doing okay not Brilliantly, of course, not perfectly, because we aren't, but there's really good signs of kindness and loving care. Pat on the back for you guys. Showing love to each other. And John says, let's love each other, and he's got these three fairly clear reasons, and I'll just go through them in order. I could say a lot of any of them, but I want to rest on the third one, really. The first one is um, verse um, uh, 7. Where's it gone? (coughs) God is love, he says. Uh, it comes twice, actually, in the passage, actually. Verse, not eight, in verse eight, verse. We know because God is love. God, his essential being, is love. It's not just like he just shows love, but he is love. Uh, it's not just like sometimes you can see that side of him. So, uh, you know, sometimes you can see the sort of analytic side of me but um, you wouldn't say oh, I am an analyst, analyst. Come come to the word, analyst. Sometimes you can see the emotional part of me but you wouldn't say I'm emotional, you'd say oh that's a good thing, sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. God is love. Like also John will say somewhere, God is light and, and, and it's not that him being love displaces everything else, God is still a God of justice, he will judge the world. But God's essential nature is love. And so his justice is expressed in a way that is loving. Do you get that? Love is everything, everything God does comes out of love. He's almighty and all powerful. But that almighty powerfulness is displayed and shown in a loving way. But sometimes I think actually we, we, we run the risk sometimes of, of uh, you can't overemphasize God is love. But sometimes we forget the other side of that, the other characteristics that God has. Because he's also a just father he will judge the world but he's, he's found this way of getting justice his justice and his mercy his love to, to balance together to dealing with our sin to dealing with that issue in a just way but also a loving way god is love and it's a family resemblance thing if you're at home at the moment uh, you can do it in church as well but home at the moment just 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 you know look around the people in the room with you i presume they're your family Otherwise, you need to be in trouble with the, the police. Um, uh, look around your family, and, and there may be some family likenesses. Um, sometimes they come out physically. Uh, fortunately, <coughs> most of my kids aren't that much like me physically, bless them. Um, but it may come out in their behaviors too. Go on, just get two minutes. Turn to your person next to you. Turn to, If you're by yourself, I'm sorry, have to think it. But just turn to the person next to you and talk about family likeness. Go and do it. Be involved. What's family likeness do you see in your kids or each other? The thing is, you get it in your partners, even though there's no genetic bond. You become the same. You start thinking the same thing. You get a family likeness that generates from those things you do. What's your family likenesses? What are they? Some of these are behavioral as well, you know? And some, uh, Ali and I keep saying it's getting quite scary the way we sometimes now think the same thing as each other. It's like, it's like this is really scary. I've, I think someone can, she just says it. But that's because we live together. Father, God is love. We, are children is family. That family resemblance, likeness has to come through. And it's almost like I say, not a command. But let's just do it. Let's let it work out. Because that's who we are. We are children of a loving Father God. Let's love each other because God is love. Therefore, kids, that's you too. Let's live that family likeness thing. The second thing he says... He says, verse 10, this is love, not that we love, sorry, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. As I said, the, the, the cross is the thing that shows it, that demonstrates it. it. It's quite, I mean, I think I can say, hand on heart, I do love God. But it's a tricky thing because God is, you can't see God. Uh, but there's no doubt the proof of that, the thing that makes it definite and historic and hits the world is the cross. That's the thing. That's the, it's also incredibly important spiritually. That's where the deal's done. That's the way God combine, you know, um, gets the loving and the justice thing together so he can deal with sin in a totally just way but also in a loving way as he invites us in. But the, Jesus, the son coming as a sacrifice for us, that's the thing that declares it and shows it. That's how I know. And certainly for all of us, that's probably where we started off knowing. That's the sort of sign the thing that convinces me that God loves me. It's one thing to know God is love, it's quite something else to know God loves me. It's quite one thing to know that sort of theoretical, I don't know, sort of theological truth, and another to experience that sense of, oh my Lord, you gave your life for me. Your love reached out to even me. God is love, and therefore we need to show that family likeness. Secondly, God has loved us. I said this morning, slightly cheekily, I want to quote a well-known author and theologian here who said we worship because God loves us. Um, I don't often make notes in sermon, but that came from last Sunday's sermon by the um, most Reverend Laurie Clough. Simple statement, it's absolutely true. We worship because God loves us. And I worship because God loves me. So first of all, because God is love. But secondly, because his love has reached out to each one of us. And from that, we come to a place of wanting to show, we have to respond to that. And what can I do but respond to God's love by loving those around us? John makes that point quite clearly here. He talks about God not being ad- not be seen. How many times have I used love so far, Marcus? Update. How many f- love so far? We <laughs> lost, lost count. He's looking at me blankly. Don't worry. Okay, we'll, we'll restart. Okay, from now, reset. If anyone's got a number so far, fine. I, when I when I read the passage, I think there's 23 in the passage. Well, that depends a bit how, whether you count the past participles like loved. And things, but um, third thing, it, and this really blew my mind when I read it. I must have read it before a lot of times, but because I love, I love this little letter of John. Love, do you get it? Love the letter of John. haha, <laughs> That's four more. Um, uh, verse twelve. No one has ever seen God. It's a bit weird. It's true, isn't it? Because you can't see God. But John's put that here because he wants to make it clear that the way we express our love of an unseen father is by loving seen brothers and sisters. Did you get? That's what his emphasis here is. Let's love each other because love is a God because God has loved us. And then he says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, if we express that love with each other, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us or in some of the versions is made perfect in us. If we love each other, his love is made complete in us. And and in first reading, you think, whoa. Is is it possible that God's love is only made perfect, brought to completeness, to fullness, in me showing kindness to someone else? That's what John's saying. And and the word for complete or perfection there is a word tilios, which means come to an end point, to the right culmination of it. The right conclusion. Bring to completeness, to fullness at the end of it. And I'm I'm sure he is saying that. Uh, Some of the commentators try and get around it. John stopped, bless him. It's quite clear. Absolutely clear. And the the, the thinking behind it, I think, is this. So God is love, amen. And he's got a problem because people have sinned and rebelled and got away. But the solution of that is the whole salvation plan, Jesus coming on the cross. Amazingly costly, brilliant. I'm just just whoa, mind-blowing way of sorting the problem out. But the output of that isn't just that Jesus died on the cross and forgive us. It's so that a community is created, the church, us, who love each other and live in that love. Do you get? That's what it's for. Jesus does die on the cross to deal with sin. But the right outcome of that, the conclusion of that, the fullness of that is a people, a kingdom, who are motivated and live in that love. So they express the love God has for them, expressed seen through the cross, in the way they live. One of the um, commentators, and I quite like uh, these sort of quick summaries, has this phrase for this passage. And he says the God is love. Is pro- sorry. God's love is proclaimed in the word. It's proved at the cross, but it's perfected in His people loving each other. Say that again. God's love is proclaimed in His word. Proved at the cross. But perfected in His people. And, and John is coming. I think encouraging people. This, these Christians in. Probably a very difficult situation for them to express that love and to love each other. The story is told um, by a guy called Jerome who's writing church commentaries in sort of um, 300 AD. But Jerome tells the story of John being carried into church when he's very elderly and he couldn't really walk himself and he's carried into church and, 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 and he would say, you know, children love each other. Um, which is consistent with what he wrote, That's good. Um, and apparently you know, they would say in church to him, you had here John, the beloved disciple. You know, and they say, Master, give us a word. Give us a an, an, you know, real insight. Why did you just always say children love each other? And John apparently reported to say it. Just love each other. That's sufficient. Now, I, there is a lot of other stuff as well, but I get what he's saying. Because that is the, the heart of what it means To no father whose God is love, proclaimed in the word, God love me, proved on the cross, but perfected in my life. And I want to, like I say, I want to encourage you as a church. David talks, we had one Corinthians 13 two weeks ago, and David talked a lot about what love was and how it felt. And I've avoided the whole Valentine's thing today if I can, because because I'm very bad at Valentine's Day, and um, Ali, don't worry, I'll sort something out by the time I get home it's okay, uh, I sort of hadn't forgotten, it's like you're yeah, one of those things, okay, sorry, <sighs> I, I still have never quite lived down the time we had a bloke here talking about, was it was it a course on, it was a course which happened to be on Valentine's Day, but it was over the weekend about renewing your marriage, do I remember that? I can't remember the bloke speaking was, and of course... Yeah, that was very embarrassing. For the first time in my whole life, I brought roses for Ali on Valentine's Day because I knew in church that evening the bloke would say, who has done nothing for their wife on Valentine's Day? And I wasn't going to get caught out in public. I mean, uh, um, but after that, do you know how much roses are on Valentine's Day? (laughs) It's like, what? You can buy them next week for almost nothing and something. Anyway, I love you, dear. You're worth all the world. Hey, And that's the amazing thing, that I'm worth all the world to God somehow. That's the amazing thing, that God loved me. And we're talking about worship. And Laurie said last week that worship comes from an Anglo-Saxon, I don't know, English word, about giving worth. And we give worth to God by our song worship, Amen. I mean, you know, thank you, band leading us, it's great. Although people like me have an issue sometimes with song worship because... I can't sing in tune. You know, I know that because I've been told a million times by people. And sometimes me it's quite tricky in a way. Wanting to shout out but knowing that some ways I quite like this lockdown thing where you can't sing out loud. loud. <laughs> I am sing quietly like behind my mask and no one knows what key I'm singing in, if any key at all. But we can all do love. This is part of what it is to live as God's people. To respond to and give worship to Father. To put him in the right place is that in our lives, and it's communal, it's not just me, it's us. We need to love each other, and in that, Father's love we perfected. And that's part of our worship. That's our response to a loving Father God who saved us through Jesus. Because we want to see his love out in our community. And it is the most, it's the most powerful evidence of God's existence is Christians showing love to each other, coming to land do where, we, go, where are we going, Johnny. You did tell me before, actually. Oh, yeah, children. Family likeness, yeah. Child of God, yeah, that's right. Let's take a moment, shall we? <clears throat> Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you that is your essential nature, that you are love. Thank you for the gift of Jesus that just proves that love for each one of us. Father, thank you that you are. Call us as your people to show that kind of love that we talked about two weeks ago. That kindness. Acts of mercy for each other. We want to be a a people where people look at us and say, whoa, those Christians love each other. We want to show your family image. Just Just take a moment. I want to end this on a thankfulness thing. If there's no one comes to mind, that's fine. But just take a moment, and let Holy Spirit give us all just just someone, some act of kindness that we've experienced. Just just hold that, and just thank God for that, that personal, that act of kindness, that act of expressing love. Oh Lord, it's just so good when we see you through our brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, we know we're not perfect in the way we live in this world, but we know we are perfect in the way you've made us and, and saved us. And, and it's just so good, God, when we see through our brothers and sisters something of your character coming through. And we thank you and bless you for that. Thank you for this congregation. Thank you for our family likeness. Lord, help us to grow in that. To deepen in that. And Father, we just want to worship you. If you're in church, if you stand, that's fine. Church stand. Home you can stand. Stay in that place of thankfulness. I don't think there's a guilt here, but be encouraged, church. Be encouraged. Dear friends, let us love one another, because love comes from God.